Have you ever struggled with understanding the Word of God? You're not alone. Let's look at the scriptures together and understand how we can apply biblical principles in our daily lives, right here on the Creekside Podcast. Welcome back to the Creekside Podcast. My name is James. I'll be your host today and our pastor, Drew Byers. You doing all right? Doing great, James. Happy <laughs> to be here with you. Uh, yeah, happy just to have the opportunity. Happy for our uh, our giveaway opportunity. Uh, if you'd listened last week, uh, we're giving away a, a copy of uh, J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Great book, great resource. Uh, would encourage you to read it. It'll help you to know God better, I think. Uh, so we've had, we've had some folks in our church who have been uh, reading through the book in a, in a class we have on Tuesday night, and uh, addition to some other things, been really good. So we were talking about the gospel last week, and how do we know we can be rooted and grounded in the gospel? And one of the things we talked about was uh, just rooting ourselves in what folks who have gone before us have believed to be true about the gospel and kind of holding fast to that confession of faith and rooting ourselves in the history of the church. And so one of the ways we do that is by acquainting ourselves with the scripture and also acquainting ourselves with what uh, folks have believed down uh, down through the down through the, the ages, you know, uh, that we stand on the shoulders of giants, and we want to we want to seek to do that. So, uh, if you want a copy of J.I. Packer's Knowing God, you can enter our contest. All you have to do is uh, contest is a uh, it's not really a contest; it's just a giveaway. Yeah, uh, you can and you can do that. Just rate, review, subscribe, comment. Let us know that you watched or, or listened to the podcast in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you can email us at info at creeksidefellowshiptn.org, and uh, we'll we'll get you the copy of the book. We'll ship it to you, and uh, maybe write a handwritten note in there, and uh, oh. that'd be really. I won't sign it or anything. Like, you don't fancy. want me to sign it yet, uh, but we could do something like that. That would be really cool. cool. So I'll sign it. James will sign it. That'll be good. <laughs> that, wouldn't it be great if uh, Packer would have had a podcast? He's on a, you can, if you Google J.I. Packer on like Apple Podcasts, you'll find a bunch of stuff to pop up. I don't think he had like a podcast like we're talking about right. here. Uh, and he passed away sadly last year at a, I think he was 94 or something like that. He was, he was older. Um, but uh, yeah, a giant in the faith in a lot of regards. Uh, did, a, did a lot of really good writing and good thinking for the church. So uh, we're happy to give away that resource today. So. All right, well, let's jump in. Let's jump in. Last time we were on Galatians 1. If you didn't get a chance to check that out, make sure you go uh, look that one up. Um, it's all about the gospel and a great, uh, we just going through Paul talking about the gospel. It was amazing. Yeah, and so, some, some warnings too, some right? Warnings yeah, we would pump the brakes there and make sure that we're, uh, we're, that we're devoting ourselves to the true gospel and not a false gospel because uh, heaven or hell is in the balance, right? Right. Uh, it's such an important conversation. So yeah, I'd encourage you uh, go back and check that one out if you can endure listening to us more than once. Uh, I think you'll enjoy that. So we're in Galatians five today, right? Galatians chapter five. Uh, Do you want to go ahead and read through? I'll that? go ahead and read that. I'm just going to read the first six verses. I think it will give us plenty to talk about today. Uh, Galatians is such a dense book. It's it's really heavy and with a lot of weighty things, and so we want to give ample time to talk about that. So this is Galatians five, starting in verse number one. Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified 
by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. Great scriptures. Um, let's look at verse 1. Because uh, I want to I dig into the for freedom Christ has set us free. Uh, can you go into depth? What does that mean? Yeah, I think it means that for freedom Christ has set us free. <laughs> Okay. You wanna, do you want to move on to the next? No. Uh, yeah, I think it's that can be a kind of confusing yeah. scripture. Uh, for freedom, Christ has set us free. I, I think it's a it's a popular scripture. Uh, one of the prominent themes that we see, like in a lot of uh, what I would say more popular uh, Christianity, is the idea of a freedom. If you listen to um, a lot of contemporary Christian music, which there's some great contemporary Christian music out. Yeah. Uh, there's some that I wish was a little bit more thought through, maybe a little bit more specific, but one of the themes that you see is freedom pop up over and over again. Now, this is a biblical teaching that in Christ we have freedom. Mm-hmm. We have freedom from a few things. We have freedom from the bondage of sin. Right? The Bible says that when we come to Christ, when we repent of our sin, when we trust uh, by faith in Christ's work on our behalf, that we are then freed from sin. Uh, the, the Jeremiah 31, when it talks about the new covenant, says that we have uh, been, the heart of stone has been removed. We've been given a heart of flesh. Right, So we're a new creation now that we're in Jesus Christ, we're no longer under the bondage of sin. That's one of the great benefits of the freedom that comes uh, in knowing Jesus Christ. Uh, we're, we're free uh, now to live our lives unto God. Before we were saved, before we were regenerated, to use a, a, a longer term, uh, we could not live in the freedom of Christ. We were hindered from that. We were not able to do that because of the bondage of sin. But now that we have a new life in Christ through his sacrifice, we are now free to do what Christ desires us to do. Um, in, in thinking about freedom, we also have to think rightly about uh, the idea of, of discipline. Um, and, and tying these two things together, these two ideas together. So what Jesus is saying here, or what Paul is saying here, is not that Christ has set us free so that we can do whatever we want. Right. Christ has set us free so that we might do that which glorifies God. Um, and looking just at verse 6 and tying these two things together, um, uh, he says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Our freedom should lead to faith working in love, right? Faith producing love in others. That we should discipline our bodies so that we have the, the freedom. We should discipline ourselves from sin so we have the freedom to walk in, in godliness, the freedom to do uh, what Christ has called us to. Uh, and, 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 but in this context, the freedom that Christ has given us, the reason Christ has set us free is so 
we would experience what freedom looks like. Um, and freedom does not mean, hey, you have a license to sin or do whatever you want, but freedom means walking in holiness, yes. that you are the most free, <clears throat> excuse me, you are the most free when you are doing what God has called you to do. So let me give you an analogy. I've heard this somewhere before, but I think it's really helpful. Um, some people want freedom from all all restraints. Mm-hmm. That, hey, I'm free in Christ. That means I can do whatever I want. God God won't judge me. Right? There's no consequence for my sin. Um, I can go ahead and sin if I want to. Um, that's the, that's a kind of freedom that the Bible does not have in mind, right? right? The Bible doesn't think, does the Bible doesn't say that if you are in Christ, then you can do whatever you want. The Bible says that your sins are forgiven, but the, the, the desire is not that you would sin. And I'll, I'll get where I'm going here with this in just a second. Um, I've heard this analogy before, and I think it's really helpful that for a, uh, a fish to get out of water, right? There's a freedom that the fish experiences mm. if you take the fish out of water. But what will happen if you take that fish out of water? It's going right? to die. It's going to die, yeah. right? So we might say it has freedom. There's no rules for this fish. Hey, it can do or be whatever it wants to be. But if you remove the fish from the water, that fish is going to die. So the the freest f- version of that fish is a fish that lives actually in the water. Right. It's actually a good thing that the fish lives in the water. That's how it can live its life to the fullest extent. So we, if we say, hey, Christ has made me free, I'm going to throw off all of the rules and, and things that God, all the standards God has set for me, and I'm just going to do whatever I want. Well, you're like that fish leaving that water. Yeah. You're never going to thrive. You're never going to have an abundant life. You're never going to be happy. Right, and it, in fact, your sin is going to kill you yeah. if that's the case. If that's the way that you understand freedom to work in the Scripture. But what Paul is saying here is that Christ has set us free from the commands of the law; that He has fulfilled the law on our behalf. That I am not saved by working and grinding my way into God's good graces. I am saved by God's grace given to me in Christ Jesus. I am saved by the Spirit regenerating my heart and drawing me into the presence of God to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am saved by Jesus. Jesus has given me life. He's also provided for me boundaries yeah. into which I am to live. And that, and my life will actually be the fullest if I live inside of those God-ordained boundaries and not just say, hey, I'm free. I can now do whatever that whatever it is that I want. So in this context, he's saying to the church at Galatia, look, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So what the church at Galatia was doing is they were saying, yes, Christ has freed us from the law. That's great. But I want to keep practicing these old covenant ways. I want to keep practicing these old covenant rituals, especially we're talking a lot about circumcision in this passage. So what Paul is saying is like, listen, guys, you're not going to be saved by your own works. You're only going to be saved by Christ's work on your behalf and your belief on Christ um, in, in that. And, and the way we talk about this in, in our current day and age is a term we, we use, we call it legalism, yeah. right? Hey, if I just if I do the right things, say the right words, you know, uh, act in the right way, then God's going to be happy with me. Mm-hmm. Well, the legalism is actually the opposite of the gospel. Let me read a quote, uh, but this commentary I've been reading on Galatians uh, by J.B. Fesco. It says, "Our salvation is not a joint enterprise between us and God, where He provides a little bit of help and then we do the best we can. 
On the contrary, to attempt to bring forward our, our, our obedience, even at one point of the law, as grounds for our justification, is to bring upon ourselves the obligation to obey the entirety of the law. That's what Paul's getting at here. He says, don't use your don't use your freedom. Don't say, hey, I'm free in Christ. Let me go back to the old covenant ways. No, you're free in Christ. Christ has fulfilled the old covenant ways, right? He has been a perfect and spotless sacrifice. As you now get to step into the newness of living the the gospel, you know, living living in light of the gospel of grace. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith. And that's the good news of the gospel because if I was saved by works, right? If I was saved by legalism, I would always be wondering, am I really saved? Have I done enough? Am I really good enough? That's not what Paul encourages his readers to think about. He says, no, think about the gospel. You've been saved. Christ has set you free so that you would experience freedom. So live in the freedom. Don't live underneath the old covenant. Live in the new covenant for it's far better. Like Hebrew, like our our conversation on Hebrews a couple weeks ago, uh, we remember that, that, you know, Jesus is better yeah. Jesus is better than the old way, so let's live in light of the new covenant and not submit again to the old covenant ways, which is what the church at Galatia was doing. Yeah, and a, a book that we're reading as a church staff is the um, Gospel Driven Church. Yeah, Jared Wilson. Yeah. yeah, great book. And one of the things that I learned through that book is we're talking about legalism, and I like to think of myself as, as not bound by legalism, you know. But then we as, we all do, don't we? <laughs> yeah. And then, but what I what I kind of found and was able to reflect in that book was that as a worship leader, if the countdown wasn't cued right on time, or if the, Mm -hmm. uh, if the pads didn't start playing before the song, you know, these little things that I was, I was like, Oh, the worship's ruined. Mm -hmm. The whole service is off. Yeah. I was creating my own legalism in that. And I, you know, uh, and And, there's so much freedom once I discovered that. Yeah, and you would never tie your your salvation to something as silly as, no. you know, the countdown going off at the right point or the pads going in at the right place. But the the culture of, of legalism does not allow us to extend grace to people. It doesn't allow us to say we're all sinners in need of God's grace. We're always trying to impress, always trying to obey, not God law, God's right. written laws, but man-made structures and man-made laws and, and things that are really not helpful in the Christian life. Uh, and so I, I think that's one of, the, one of the things we just need to be mindful of. Are we living in legalism? Are we living in man-made rules and man-made structures submitting to man-made uh, commandments and stuff? Or are we living truly in the gospel of grace? That Christ has set us free. Let's live in that freedom, not to sin, Right. Uh, but to extend grace uh, and to be able to uh, walk in the newness of life that God has given us to pursue holiness. God yeah. has given us freedom to pursue holiness. And I, I mentioned this before, and maybe I didn't maybe I didn't finish this thought, but the idea of discipline, that if you discipline yourself, it allows you to experience more freedom. So it's basketball season, right? I love basketball season. <laughs> uh, I love the NCAA tournament. Um, one of the things that you don't see that all of these athletes that are going to step on the floor, one of the things they don't see that they do are the fundamentals, right. you know, practicing dribbling with their right hand and then dribbling with their left hand and doing, you know, 50, uh, down and backs up, up and down the court or practicing free throws over and over and over again, or practicing their ball handling skills, whatever it might be. You never see them do those things, um, like on the court, right. you know, but 
all of those things play into their performance. Their discipline really shows when they step on the court. So if you don't practice your free throws, uh, then you come out onto the court, and when you get fouled, you're going to miss them. Yeah. You know, if you don't take time to, you can say, "Hey, I'll just make the best of it whenever I got the time." No, you, you practice the free throws when you have the time to do it, so that when it really counts, when it really matters, you can step up and you can make the big play. So, so the same in the Christian life. I think we need to be disciplined in the way that we think about obedience. That we don't just obey whenever we really, really feel like we have to. We seek to obey Christ all of the time. Uh, that we discipline ourselves not to um, not to say, hey, I'm going to see how closely I can live to sin yeah. uh, and then just draw that line there so that I so that I don't step over it and you know then I won't step into sin. No, we need to be living on sin. No, not how close can I get to sin, but how how closely can I walk with the Lord day in and day out, not just on Sundays and not just on, you know, Tuesday nights or whatever it might be, not just when I'm around church people, but all of the time, how do I seek to discipline my body so that I can obey when it really, you know, when the rubber really when I'm really really tempted, right? When yeah. it's really really difficult. I'm not going to use my freedom as an opportunity to get close to sin. I want to use my freedom as an opportunity to get far from sin so that when the devil does come and does tempt me i'm more able to resist i'm more able to walk in the holiness god is god god desires for me to walk in yeah and there's a big difference between that and legalism right there Uh, we need we need to understand that i'm not seeking to obey so that i will earn god's good favor but because i have earned god's good favor because jesus christ has been my sacrifice now i get the joy of living in the holiness of god uh, and not seeing how close can I come to sin without sinning, right? Uh, and that's a really that's a significant thing for us to consider in the Christian life. Most definitely. And people who aren't saved, who believe that they're living living in freedom because they don't have the rules right. bound by Christ. You know, I we I used to work for a, a a ministry called Teen Challenge, and if you've never heard of Teen Challenge, they're they're great. If you know anybody that's got an addiction, uh, go look up a Teen Challenge. Uh, one of the main things that they teach is that you don't have freedom. When you are hmm. uh, experiencing a, a drug addiction, you have you think that you're doing drugs for to conduct freedom, but really all you're doing is building your own prison walls, hmm. and, and now you have to have it. Yeah. Uh, the same with lies. Once you lie, then you have to continue to lie, and you have to continue, and you become a slave hmm. to these things which you thought you were doing in the beginning. To gain your freedom, and, right. and you never did. You actually just built your own prison. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thought. And and it's it's not just you know it's not just big things like you know right. we we might think about uh, doing drugs is like a really you know the the kind of you know the the culmination of, of, of sin. And God can redeem all kinds of uh, situations like that. God can redeem people out of that lifestyle and and break those patterns of addictions and and those types of things. Um, but even like small sins, right? Mm-hmm. E- even when we, we make exceptions for, for small sins like gossip, yeah, small sins like greed, small sins like, like lust, you know, and say like, Hey, I, I, di- I didn't, um, I didn't really do anything that bad. We make exceptions for things. Like, well, when we do that, we're not walking in the freedom that Christ yeah. has, has given us. We're making exceptions and we're submitting to, um, a, a yoke of slavery in a different kind of way than the church at Galatia was that Paul was talking about here, but still, I think applicable for us that we uh, are, are walking in the old, the ways of the old man, and not in the ways of the new man. Whenever we seek to, you know, justify those little and small sins, but you're right, we're 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 in a way building our own prison, even if it's just brick by brick. Yeah, um, we're we're building our own prison when we when we make exceptions for those small kinds of sins. The 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 way to uh, find redemption from legalism is not by rule following, 
It's by trusting in Christ. It's by grace. It's it's by uh, understanding that Jesus has broken us out of the prison, and we don't need to go back to put establishing those bricks again, right? right? We don't need to walk in the in the ways of the old man, but walk in the ways of the new man. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to ask a question out of uh, Galatians five that everybody's thinking: <laughs> Why in the world does the Bible talk so much about circumcision? Yeah. Yeah, I especially think about this when we think about like teaching. We should teach the Bible to our children. Yeah. Uh, but there are so many. Like you read the Old Testament, and you're like, man, there's so much in here that is, uh, you know, either seems so far fetched or so not applicable or way too adult, you know, yeah. um, for for a you know for us to teach teach to children. Uh, when I when when I want to talk about circumcision, we want to talk about it in the uh, in an appropriate kind of context, right? Um, but but give the give the full meaning of what the scripture means. So circumcision was a way for the people of God um, to be identified as the people of God. So to give some further context here, when the sign of circumcision was given in the uh, in the covenant with God makes with Abraham. Uh, I believe it's Genesis 17, uh, where he gives this sign. He tells Abraham that you're going to circumcise your son, the son of the promise, um, and he's going to cir- he's going to circ- circumcise Isaac. Uh, he's going to be the son of the promise, and because of that, that's going to be like a sign of the covenant. So every time that you circumcised a male child, it was a reminder that God has set His love upon you. He set His covenant. He's He's made a covenant with you. You're God's chosen people in that context. The reason for one of the reasons for this is my and. That might seem like really arbitrary and antiquated. I want to give two reasons why that's important. One, uh, because circumcision is uh, something that would not be seen by practically anyone except for uh, the family, you know, who would have been present at that at that ceremonial service, you know, when that when that happened, it would be unknown to many people. Uh, and circumcision is applied to the most private part of your being, right? Uh, so I think that's a really significant, uh, significant thing to consider. The circumcision was something that was uh, very private and occurred uh, at the at the place that's most private, you know, most special place, uh, you know, on your body. Not to, and I don't want to get graphic here or anything like that, uh, but it's just really significant that that that's applied there. What does that mean? It means that God desires the most, the inmost parts of your being, like the the parts that are most special, most precious to you, um, the things that you want to. Um, to, to protect, right? God desires every part of you, right? Now, that, that's one of the things there. The second thing is that in the ancient Near East, um, I'd have to look up where I've read this, uh, but I, I, it, it some, uh, in some portion of the ancient Near East, uh, in some uh, places where they, where they had priests, priests would often be circumcised. It would be a symbol of, uh, of the fact that you belonged to the priesthood of this particular deity, so what does God say? All of the males are going to be circumcised. What, is, what does that mean? It means all of my people are going to be like priests to the world. Okay, And, and by that, it, what it meant was that Israel was going to mediate God's covenant to all of the world. That all of the world was going to, if, if you wanted to come to the Lord, um, what, what that meant was you had to come into the covenant with God, and Israel was going to be the one who was going to mediate that covenant to the world. Um, so by looking at Israel, you should be able to see something of what God is like. And in Exodus 19, I believe it is, uh, when when Moses is giving the law at the 
uh, at Mount Sinai, he he tells Israel that he's they're going to be a kingdom of priests. All right, so everyone in the everyone in the kingdom is going to be uh, you know part of the part of like a ho- holy unto the Lord is the idea that's there. So every person is he des- is desired to be holy unto the Lord. That's the Old Testament concept of circumcision. You might say, well, that sounds like a really good thing. Why does Paul have so much bad stuff to say about circumcision here in uh, chapter 5? Well, it is, and if you've listened to our episode on Hebrews 8, and this ties in really closely with there, what the church at Galatia was doing was saying, yeah, you can be saved by Jesus' sacrifice, but also you have to be circumcised. So what they're doing is adding to the gospel. When Christ died on the cross, he fulfilled uh, you know, all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus Christ is what the New Testament says. So when Christ died on the cross, he was fulfilling those promises of the old covenant, including the promise of, of including the sign of circumcision. Uh, and so he, what he was saying was that that old covenant has passed away. There's a new covenant that's been made in Christ's blood. And circumcision is not a requirement of that covenant. Now, Paul's not saying that hey if you if you don't want to if you want to circumcise uh, if you want to be circumcised or want someone to be circumcised he's not saying that's necessarily a sin right. as long as it's not a requirement yeah but what Paul what the church at Galatia was doing was saying hey you're not really good with God unless you've been circumcised and that's adding to uh, justification by faith so um, in Galatians five six um, it's it says that. Um, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So what he's saying is that circumcision doesn't, is not of any value if you're not in Christ, if you don't have faith working in love. One of the reformers wrote this. He says, when they want to refute our doctrine that we are justified by faith alone, they seize up this weapon. If the faith that justifies us be that which works by loved, faith alone does not justify. I reply, they do not understand their own babbling, far less what we teach. It is not our doctrine that the faith which justifies is alone. We maintain that it is always joined with good works, but we contend that faith avails by itself for justification. I'll explain what that means in just a minute. He continues, the papists themselves, the Roman Catholics, like murderers, tear faith to pieces, sometimes making it unformed and empty of love, and sometimes formed by love. But we deny that true faith can be separated from the spirit of regeneration or sanctification. When we debate justification, however, we exclude all works. When you discuss justification, beware of allowing any mention of love or of works, but resolutely hold on to the exclusive adverb. Uh, and that's from uh, John Calvin's commentary on Galatians. So, just to boil that down, I know there's a lot there. Some of you guys are like that was that cloud that muddied the water more than it cleared it up. Uh, what what Calvin's saying there is that we are, and I've heard this moniker or this this phrase from many people, he says, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone, right? So we're saved. I'm not saved by any of the works that I've done. I'm not saved by any of the good works of my hand. But if I am truly saved, if I am truly justified, that will evidence itself 
by the fact that there will be fruit and there will be righteousness. There will be a desire for holiness in my life. Uh, I, you know, the New Testament says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Uh, and so we need to be mindful of that. But it's ultimately not our works that we uh, that we base our salvation off of. It's not the fact that, hey, look at, look at me, I've been circumcised. Or in our culture, our concept, hey, look at me, I've been baptized. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, just because you've been baptized, uh, you know, it's a sign of following Christ. Yeah. Uh, but sadly, in our culture, so many folks have been baptized, yet there's not a uh, there's there's no fruit in their life. Right. Uh, and so I, I think that we need to be really careful before we um, before we baptize people to make sure that their profession of faith is credible, that there's fruit in their life. Otherwise, we might be falsely assuring them of their salvation, just like. Just like the Galatians were doing, right? Wow. Uh, we just need we need to be mindful of that that we're not putting putting more stock in our baptism than we are in the sacrifice of Christ, yeah. uh, and and, and be, being really forthright to teach our people the difference between uh, those those few things. And so, uh, what Calvin what Calvin is saying here um, is is that we are when we talk about justification, we need to we need to talk about justification without talking about any of our works, any of my works, because none of those things ultimately justify me. What we need to talk about is Christ and Christ's works and what Christ has done. But the church at Galatia was spending more time, it seems, talking about circumcision and talking about going back to the old covenant than they were talking about what Christ has done in the new covenant. And we can be guilty of the same things only with different forms and with different terms if we're not careful. So legalism, right, is what it boils down to. Hey, I'm saved because I go to this church. I'm saved because I read my Bible through every single year. You know, I read five chapters a day or because I pray 15 minutes a day or whatever it might be that you do. Or, hey, I don't watch this TV show. I don't listen to this kind of music. Hey, I only dress this certain way, all that kind of stuff. Are any of those things bad in and of themselves? No, they're not. But if we're not careful... We can look to those things to justify us rather than looking to Christ to justify us, which is the thing that Paul's trying to get uh, the church at Galatia not to do. I think I answered a couple of your questions there, but I know I was only supposed to talk about circumcision, but I got on a roll. So Yeah, no, you did great. <laughs> you did great. I, th- I, I want to ask you one last question, and we'll wrap this up. Um, you, you talked about the works of righteousness and then faith working through love. Uh, what's the difference between those two? Yeah. That's great. Um, let me read a quote um, by, uh, I believe this is by um, William Perkins. Uh, he explains it like this. Justification and sanctifi- sanctification are two distinct benefits. Justification ministers unto us deliverance from hell and a right to life everlasting. Sanctification is a fruit of the former and serves to make us thankful to God for our justification. And love serves the same use because it is a special part of sanctification. So what he draws out there, I think, is I think explains helpfully what Paul is what Paul is saying there. We use the terms justification and sanctification to talk about two benefits of uh, the Spirit's work in our life. So we are justified by Christ's sacrifice, right? And we are made aware of this justification when the Spirit comes and regenerates our hearts. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we are justified before God. Um, that means that all the all of our sin is given to Christ, and all of Christ's benefits are given to us. Sanctification is distinct 
from justification. We're sanctified by the Spirit's work. Everyone who has been truly justified by Christ will be sanctified by the Spirit. But the way to pursue sanctification is not by running towards works of the law. It's by looking to Christ. It's by looking at what Christ has done. And so uh, what Perkins says here is that these are two distinct benefits of, of knowing Christ. Uh, we're, we're, we're saved by Christ. Justification and sanctification are both parts of salvation, I guess you could say in a way. But he, he makes the distinction. Justification is deliverance from hell and a, a right to life everlasting. That we're justified before God. That on the last day when we stand before the holy judge of all the earth, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? That's the, that's the joy of justification. Sanctification is a fruit of that declaration. So sanctification means that we are walking in holiness, that we're becoming more and more like Jesus. The way Perkins says it is that it makes us thankful to God for our justification. And love is a fruit is a part of sanctification. So if we are justified, then we will demonstrate love. Because of our faith in Christ, we will demonstrate love. There will be faith working through love in our lives. Uh, and that's a part of our sanctification before God Almighty. Now, will any of us be fully sanctified in this life? Scripture doesn't teach that, right? It teaches that the only time we'll be perfectly and completely sanctified is when we depart from this life and we get to be with Christ forever. And because of our justification, we can trust that we will one day truly be sanctified. But there is a progressive measure of sanctification that is to be expected of Christians as they walk with Christ. Not to abide by legalistic rules and regulation, but to pursue the things of God and pursue the holiness uh, that, that comes with knowing Jesus Christ, to seek to live a holy and devoted life unto the Lord. That's what Paul is getting at here uh, in, in verse number six. And so uh, we just need to be mindful that in in Galatians, the, the problem was circumcision, right? It was rules. It was man-made rules, man-made laws, all that kind of stuff, going back to the old ways. Uh, in our day and age, it's all kinds of other, it's all kinds of other things um, that yeah. we seek to replace with, with circumcision, you know, with being super religious um, or sometimes not being super religious, you know, saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm just, I just love everybody. And because I love everybody, you know, God, God loves that. I love everybody. Well, Yes, I understand where you're coming from, but where's Jesus in that? And that's the question I think we want to ask when we come to when we come to the assurance of our salvation, talking about justification and sanctification, or even talking about the the works that we do in our flesh. Like the Bible says that works are a good thing, but they don't merit our salvation. Where is Jesus in that? That's a good question that we should ask. When we're doing something good for someone, right? Or we're, we're seeking to serve someone. Are we doing it because we love Jesus or because we want to be recognized for doing that good thing or whatever it might be? We are very deceptive creatures in and of ourselves. And so we need to be really careful and, and mindful that we're not deceiving ourselves even when we practice things that we call, quote-unquote, good works. Um, are we truly doing uh, good works for the sake of the glory of God, or do we really want a little bit of the glory for ourselves? We need to be mindful of that. In Galatia, in the church, we, we recall that this teaching came from within the walls of the church. Um, it wasn't it wasn't from outside of the walls. It came from within the walls, within the teaching of the church. And so we just need to be really mindful. When legalism gets into the bloodstream of a church, 
it becomes very, very difficult for a culture of grace uh, to be recovered, right? It, 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 legalism kind of becomes like a uh, like a disease, uh, and it, it becomes this, uh, it becomes a means to compare each other to everyone else rather than looking to Christ for salvation or to um, you know to look at the things that I do to to merit my salvation instead of looking to Christ to merit my salvation. So again, reminding ourselves of the gospel and asking the question, where is Jesus in this thing that I'm doing? Where's the Jesus in the the concerns that I have, even the the, the rules uh, that, I, that I seek to apply um, in my own life? Where is G- are the, Am I applying these rules to myself so that I can make much of Jesus or so that I can feel better about myself? Um, those, are, those are the questions that I think we should kind of be asking when we come to a passage like this. Yeah, yeah. Where was Jesus in that? I'm going to start asking myself, that question when I get to a to a certain uh, place in life uh, when I have to make a decision or something and I make that decision I'm going to ask myself where was Jesus in that that's really good um, any final thoughts on uh, this episode of the Creekside podcast yeah I, I think that there there's just like I said at the beginning there's so much in Galatians um, there's so much to be uh, to be mindful of. Um, but there's so much there's so much good to draw out of this. So I just encourage you maybe after maybe you've read this chapter already, maybe go back and read it again and just consider some of the things that we've talked about and considering um, how good the gospel is and how much better it is mm-hmm. than anything else that that mankind can afford by the rules and the regulations uh, that it sets. Even though those rules and regulations seem uh, really good or maybe seem really honorable or really noble, um, have we subverted the gospel by seeking to obey the rules of man? Or in our obedience to to Christ, are we seeking to uh, have this faith uh, that is working through love? Are, are we seeking to be sanctified by the Spirit? Perfect. Well, Drew, thank you for taking time out to do this. Um, I hope that uh, the people listening or viewing on YouTube uh, enjoy this. Um, again, feel free to reach out to us anytime with an email. You can comment, um, all that fun stuff. Rate, review, subscribe, all, all that, that stuff. If you want a copy of Knowing God by J.I. Packer, it can be yours. Yeah. You probably won't be very many people enter the contest. You know, it probably won't be many, probably won't be many people like and subscribe. So, Hey, you know why not you? Yeah. You, know, you can be the you can be the lucky winner, and then you can say, Hey, I have something autographed by James P. House, right? <laughs> you have yeah. to ask for it, though. I'm not just going to give yeah. that away. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. No, seriously, thanks for taking the time to uh, to listen today. I hope it's beneficial. I hope it's edifying. Like I said, uh, value the things that we even talk about here based upon what you read in the Word. Uh, don't just believe it because I say it or because James says it. I'm a human being. I'm I'm wrong. I might even be wrong more than once a day, you yeah. know? Um, so just, just uh, we're, we're trying to get people into the Word and to understand what the Word says, and I, I hope this has been helpful to you in that respect. Definitely. Thank you guys for tuning in with us this week with the Creekside Podcast. We'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. I know there's a ton of things you could have spent your time listening to, but James and I are grateful that you spent some time hanging out with us. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside Fellowship, you can go to our website at creeksidefellowshiptn.com. 
Uh, you can find our contact info there. If you've uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast, you can rate and review and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And if you have any questions for us, you can email us at info at creeksidefellowshiptn.org. That's all on our website. You can also connect with us on social media. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. Hope you'll tune in next time.